Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I hope the rest of you can also hear me loud and clear. Praise the Lord. Yes. Yes. All right. So shall we just uh, take a moment to thank God for this time? Let's commit the next uh, session that we have into the Lord's hands, that he will speak to us, that he will minister to each and every one of us. So let's uh, all together uh, commit this time into the Lord's hands. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your promise. We thank you, Father, for your presence with us, Lord Father. Father God, you know, we know, Lord, that you have things to say to us, Lord Father. And Father God, we come to you with open hearts, open minds, a receptive ear, Lord Father. And we pray, Lord, that you will minister unto us as only you can minister, Lord Father. Not our words, Lord, but it's yours that matter, Lord. Father, we commit ourselves into your hands, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that as you minister to us, Lord Father, we will take in that which you want us to have, Lord Father. And I pray, Lord, that indeed your presence will be mighty with us. Your word will make the change in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we open our Bibles to the book of 1 John, chapter 3? And let's read a couple of verses starting from verse 4. 1 John chapter 3, and we'll read from verse 4. And I shall read it from the New Living Translation. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. We'll come back to that in a bit. But let me start off by telling you something from one of the best-selling novels of all time. It's a book called A Tale of Two Cities. It's authored by a person called Charles Dickens. Now in it are written these words. The book actually starts with these words. And these have been immortalized in the English literature. This is from the book. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. 
It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. Now this day, I am neither going to focus on these lines of literature, nor am I going to focus Whoa. on the two cities in the book. But instead, I am going to focus on something that is of much more relevance to us today. A tale of two viruses. And therefore, the title of today's message is simply this, a tale of two viruses. Now, let me tell you the story of one virus first. Sometime between October and December 2019, a new disease announced itself on Earth, first in China and then in other parts of the world. The disease was officially labeled COVID-19, though many other names have also been used to describe this disease. This disease is relatively new, less than two years old, but the causative organism, coronavirus, is pretty old. The coronavirus was first identified in 1965, and it has popped up with some regularity generally causing limited outbreak of disease and a small number of deaths. But then suddenly, in late 2019, this same coronavirus, with some strategic modifications, became more aggressive and deadly. That's the story of the first virus. Now, let me now reintroduce you to the second virus, a virus we are all familiar with. It is a virus that is hugely more aggressive, hugely more deadly, but alarmingly more subtle and deceptive. This is the sin virus or the virus of sin. This virus is extremely old, almost as old as man himself. It first entered human life in the Garden of Eden, in the lives of Adam and Eve, our earliest forefathers. It has never left us at any time, and it produces a vast number of symptomatic and asymptomatic diseases, all of which terminate in death. Now, right now, some of you may be thinking, what new thing am I going to tell you about this sin virus, since we already know much about sin? The straight and simple answer is that I am not going to tell you anything new at all. All of, almost all of us 
are experts in the topic of sin, both theoretically and practically. But please bear with me a bit. Why am I talking to you about sin today? Let me go back about 10 days. Now that is when I started thinking of what I should share today. Normally I have a couple of themes running through my mind and then I ask God to direct my thoughts in the direction that he wants me to take. But this time I had no ideas. There were no themes, absolutely none. Till two days back. And that is when God asked me to look around and relate what I see to what I could speak. I looked around and all I could see was COVID-19. Every TV channel is full of it. Every newspaper is full of it. Every WhatsApp signal and telegram chat is full of it. Every town and every city is in some form of a lockdown. Some are going into it and some are coming out of it. And that is when God impressed upon me one thought. Everybody, everyone is suddenly worried about coronavirus and death. But hardly anyone appears to be worried of something deadlier, sin. And so here we are trying to learn from the word of God what sin is all about and what God wants us to do about it. Again, let me tell you, I am not going into detailed doctrine of, of sin, but just to restate some crucial facts for us to consider. In comparison to our most recent viral visitor, the coronavirus. Point number one, the creator of these viruses. Number one, the creator of these viruses. Now I'm sorry to burst the bubble for some of you, but the Bible tells us that all things tangible were created by God. In the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 16, we read this. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, this fact is reiterated. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, that is Jesus Christ, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made.
that was made. So what we know from scripture is that all visible and invisible things, whether the beautiful flowers in our gardens or the cockroaches in our kitchens or viruses were created by God. He has a reason and a purpose for everything. And we surely do not understand it all at this point of time. So we got to take it that even the coronavirus was created by God. Not two years back, many, many years back. And we don't see things in the complete spectrum of biology. But God has different life creatures who impact, who control, who modify the life of another life creature. So why coronavirus came at that point of time, many, many years back, God knows because he created it. For us, it's become a big story over the last two years. But there are some attitudes and behaviors that are not created by God. Lying is an attitude. The Bible tells us that God cannot lie. This means that he did not create it. Pride is a behavior. The Bible tells us that God hates pride. This simply means that he did not create it. Why would God create something that he has no purpose for? He does not use lying, so he does not find a purpose for lying. God does not use pride, therefore he has no purpose, he has no use for it. And the Bible tells us that everything that he has created, he has created for a purpose. So lying, he did not create because he has no purpose for it. Pride, he did not create because he has no purpose for it. So why would he create something that he has no use for? Attitudes such as lying, attitudes and behavior such as lying, pride, sinning, lust, or murder are characteristics we acquire from somewhere, but not from God. In the book of John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 33 and 34, while addressing the Pharisees, Jesus says this, Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. 
You see, again, clearly we understand that they, these are some behaviors and attitudes which have actually emanated from the resources of Satan, not of God. Sin is created out of the resources of God, of, of Satan, I'm sorry, of Satan, not of God. What's my point? What am I trying to tell you at this point? We appear to be so fearful of a virus that God has created for a purpose. Statistics from John Hopkins University states that there are 155 million COVID-19 positive persons worldwide. There have been 3.2 million deaths due to COVID-19. This is a death rate of 2.08% as of this morning, 8.30 a.m. I picked the statistics from John Hopkins University. A death rate of 2.08%. Now, in contrast, now remember, why am I telling you all of this? In contrast, we appear to be very, very casual about sin, which has infected more than 7.9 billion people on this earth much, much more than coronavirus. It has a death rate of 100%, much, much, much more than coronavirus. And that death rate is 100% unless eradicated with the right vaccination. And we will talk about that a little later. We are all born with the sin virus. We live with it in us or around us all the time. And yet we do not appear to be fearful of its consequences. That, brothers and sisters, is my point. What are we so fearful about? Are we more scared of coronavirus or sin? Number two internalization of the virus internalization of the virus let me start by giving you a definition of virus this is not a class in medicine but let me just mention it the merriam webster dictionary states that a virus is a submicroscopic infectious agent that is capable of growth and multiplication only in living cells. The basic medical dictionary states that a virus is a microorganism that is smaller than and different from a bacterium and cannot grow or reproduce except from within a living cell. Why am I telling you this? The coronavirus cannot make you sick. It cannot kill you till it enters into your body. As long as it is outside the body, it can do you no harm. Similarly, the sin virus cannot harm you 
or kill you till it enters your body. Let me start by defining sin. The Bible gives us many examples of sin from which we derive definitions. But the basic underlying definition of sin is one very simple fact. Rebellion and disobedience against God resulting in separation and alienation from God. That is the definition. That is the basic definition of sin. Rebellion and disobedience against God resulting in separation and alienation from God. Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 to 7 gives us the first instance of rebellion and disobedience to the word of God. Adam and Eve were doing fine. And then they ate of that forbidden fruit. And this one act of rebellion and disobedience brought them instant spiritual death and a delayed physical death. They were meant to have life eternal. But after they ate of this forbidden fruit, while they died instantly spiritually, they lived a, a few more years physically. Genesis 5.5 tells us that Adam lived for about 930 years and then he died. That's the physical death. Now, as long as Adam and Eve did not eat or internalize that forbidden fruit, they were fine, having perfect relationship with God. But the moment they disobeyed God and rebelled against his command and ate and internalized that forbidden fruit, they were no longer connected to God, but were separated from him, destined to die. And that's why we say that sin is a 100% killer. Physically and sometimes spiritually. The only time you don't die spiritually is when you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me talk about Joseph. Joseph was a young man in a strange land who chose not to internalize the sin of lust. When he was enticed to commit sexual sin with the wife of Potiphar, Joseph said, Genesis 39, verse 9b, the second part, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He did not allow the sin of lust to enter into his life and become a reality of sin. In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, we read, But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so you, from you, so that he will not hear. In the New Living Translation, it is written like this. But there is a problem. 
Your sins have cut you off from God. Your sins have cut you off from God. Because of your sin, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Sin separates us from God. And without God, you and I are bound to die. When the coronavirus enters into our lungs, we struggle for air. When sin enters into our life, we struggle for life. Death is at our doorstep. That's how serious and that's how deadly sin is. And there are many ways that sin can enter into our body if we allow it. Throughout scripture, we are told that unbelief is a sin. Idol worship is a sin. Sexual immorality in any form is a sin. Addiction and pornography are sins. Covetousness is a sin. Murder is a sin. Robbing is a sin. Lying is a sin. And the list goes on. We have got to be able to label wrong things as wrong things. Let's not do something wrong knowing that it is sin and then cover it up by using some politically correct words. You're, you're not fooling anybody. You're, you're killing yourself. Because when God calls something sin, it is sin. Why do I say that? Because the Bible tells us that God cannot lie. And so when he says that murder is sin, lying is sin, he cannot lie. So therefore lying is a sin. So we cannot go around lying, saying wrong things, and then covering it up and saying that, no, I just said it for the moment. I just said it because, you know, the circumstances required me to say that. My business required me to say that. I had to say that in front of my children. You may get away for the moment, but don't get away from the fact that you have lied and lying is a sin. This is summarized beautifully for us in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. A final warning for us comes in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. James 1, 14 and 15. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, 
it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death i think these these words from scripture are blunt and straightforward and that's the way we need to deal with sin i'm sorry i can't put it in any other way i know some of you would say why do we need to hear this but that's what god's telling me to tell you and so what's my point right now be careful what you are internalizing are you internalizing the things of god that he wants you to have or or are you internalizing the things of the devil you know it and you decide what is it that you want to internalize point number 3 protection against the viruses now i believe we have all heard the three part strategy to protect ourselves from acquiring the coronavirus physical distancing proper masking and proper handshake hand washing sorry not hand shaking not at all hand washing physical distancing number 1 number 2 proper masking and number 3 proper hand washing now i won't go into the advantages or limitations of this uh, three part strategy we all know a lot about it now whether we choose to abide by this strategy or not is entirely up to each of us but let us talk a bit on how to protect ourselves from the sin virus we have a three part strategy to protect ourselves against the sin virus it's not the same strategy that we use against a corona virus but there is another three part strategy that we can use to protect ourselves against the sin virus number 1 is physical distance we are told to stay away from the sin virus physical distance proverbs chapter 4 verses 14 and 15 reads like this proverbs 4 14 and 15 do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil avoid it do not travel on it turn away from it and pass on king david told us something very similar in psalm chapter 1 verse 1 psalm 11 blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly who stand nor stands in the path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful so our first strategy to stay away from the sin virus is physically distance yourself from anything that is close to a sin virus number 2 proper unmasking in coronavirus we talk about proper masking here it is proper unmasking 
You see, the objective here is that our protection comes when we get closer to God and not to put barriers between God and us. We've got to remove the barriers, not between us and the sin. We've got to put those barriers, but we need to remove the barrier between us and God because that is our protection. The closer we get to God, the more we are protected from sin and its effects. James chapter 4, verse 8, the first part, says this. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So we've got to be transparent in our relationship with God. We've got to remove all these masks that we wear, that we use in front of people. There's no need for a mask to protect us from God because God is the one who's going to protect us from everything else. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 to 4, Paul writes this, But even if our gospel is wailed, it is wailed to those who are perishing. Verse 4, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. It is the devil who blinds us. It is the devil who puts masks in front of us. It is the devil who prevents us from seeing the actual reality of the destructive capacity of sin. Instead, he covers our eyes, so we do not see sin for the destructive force that it is. But we need to unmask ourselves. When Jesus Christ died on that cross of Calvary to redeem you and me from the clutches of sin, the Father in heaven tore the whale in the temple top to bottom. We read this in Matthew and in Mark. Signifying that from his side, there is no longer a barrier between God and us. God has removed any barrier that has existed. But he wants you and me to draw closer to him. And as we draw closer to him, we draw our protection. We are covered by the blood of the Lamb by the blood of Jesus, and that covers, that protects us from sin. The fundamental truth is that our protection against sin comes only when we get closer to God. Whatever else you try to do on our own strength, we will fail. Sin in us around us will start manipulating us. The third strategy is proper washing. We talked about hand washing in Corona, but for protecting ourselves against sin, we need proper washing. 
Now, what is that? Now, if you read James chapter 4, verse 8, the second part, we read the first part a few minutes back. Now, in the second part, we are told, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So we need proper washing. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And if we continue and read Psalm 119, 9 to 11, this is what we get. And I will read it from the New Living Translation. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Proper washing. So we need physical distancing. We need proper unmasking. And we need proper washing to be protected against sin. Again, what am I trying to tell you? It is not difficult to protect ourselves from sin, its effects and its consequences. All we need to do is seek God. Seek his word. Confess your sins and seek his forgiveness. Make him the center of your life. Accept him as Lord, Savior, Master of your life. How tough is that? If you haven't tried it, try it out. It is not tough at all. And let me emphasize this point with a verse of scripture. 1 John chapter 5, verse 18 says this, and again I will read it from the New Living Translation. 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. For God's son holds them securely and the evil one cannot touch them. Do I need to elaborate on this? It's absolutely straightforward. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. For God's son holds them securely and the evil one cannot touch them. Your protection against sin is simply by drawing closer to God, abiding in him. And that's it. And so I come to my final point, which is this. Number four, what is the treatment against viruses? Most of us should be aware by now that there is no specific medication against the coronavirus. The vaccination has its ifs and buts. You might be aware of different anecdotal, non-verifiable reports of different types of homemade and country-specific treatments for coronavirus. 
This may range from steam inhalation to standing under the hot sun or to drinking all kinds of ghastly concoctions. The list is endless. Now, some of them may have a pinch of truth in them. I do not deny that. Some of them may work. But they may work in one or two out of ten. And they fail in the remaining eight or nine. Now, if you happen to be part of that one or two, that treatment that has been offered, that has been suggested, non-verifiable, anecdotal, might work. But if you happen to be in the group of eight to nine, it's not going to work. But what we know now is this, as per all available medical norms, we still do not have completely satisfactory or specific treatment against the coronavirus. Now, I know some of you will not believe me, but that's perfectly okay with me, okay? But what I do have to tell you is that there is a treatment for the sin virus. But before I come to that, let me tell you something else. Let me tell you of a true experiment that was done a couple of years back with regards to a computer virus. We're not talking about corona, we're not talking about sin, we're talking about a computer virus. Now, please listen carefully to this. A computer specialist somewhere in Europe put out an ad in which he said, is your PC affected with malware and spyware viruses? And below that, in big uh, a box, green color box, was download. And below that was written, download here to get infected. I hope you caught it. Is your PC affected with malware and spyware viruses? download here to get infected. Now, to his surprise, 409 people actually downloaded it. Can you imagine that? Would you and I be one of, that, one of those 409? Maybe. Let's not assume that we will not be. We might still go ahead and download it. And when they were asked, they gave various reasons. Some were either curious, some were foolish, and some simply did not pay any proper attention to what was being said or written. But the computer specialist proved his point that people everywhere are very vulnerable and very gullible. And this does not exclude you and me. We are vulnerable. We are gullible. And that is why even though coronavirus has a 
pretty small mortality rate because we do not take the precautions that we are expected to take, there is a strong chance that we can get infected. We are vulnerable, we are gullible. And I told you right at the beginning, the sin virus is more dangerous, more deadly, more deceptive, and more subtle. There's a much higher chance that all of us are more vulnerable and more gullible to the sin virus, to the effects of sin, and to the consequences of sin, unless we trust and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. What am I trying to tell you right now? You and I are fully capable of believing the wrong news and forsaking the right news. And the right news is in the word of God. So what I'm going to tell you next is absolutely right and correct. We have absolutely authentic, confirmed and reliable information on medication and vaccination for the sin virus. It's even got a name, if you want to note it down. It's called salvation in Jesus Christ. Now let's nail down some facts first. Every one of us is born a sinner. Fact number one, it's there in the word of God. Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not one of us is exempt. Every one of us is born a sinner. Number two, fact. The penalty for being a sinner is death. Romans 6, 23, first part. For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. Now the thing is, God hates to lose you and me. And he desires to gift you and me with eternal life. He just hates to lose you and me. He loves you. He loves me. He says, no, I can't afford, I, he just says this, I can't afford to lose any one of them. I can't afford to lose my, my son. I can't afford to lose my daughter. I created them with my hands. Every cell in their body is my creation. I can't bear to see them lost. And so what does he do? He gives us a gift, Romans 6, 23b. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the gift of God. I've always said this one. When you get a gift, the recipient does not decide what the gift is. 
it is the giver who decides what the gift is. It is the giver who pays for it. It is the giver who plans it out. And it is the giver who gives it. The job of the recipient is to receive it. And God said, I am going to give a gift. And that gift is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus Christ died on that cross, paying the price so that you and I could have eternal life. Let's not forget that ever. And then the process for getting this gift is pretty straightforward. There's no convoluted uh, uh, stories in, 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 in a relationship with God. It's pretty straightforward. Peter informs us in Acts 3.28 what we need to do to receive the gift of eternal life. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, for the removal of sin. That virus is going to be removed. In Romans chapter 10 verse 9, Paul tells us something similar. He says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How difficult is that to understand? You don't have to stand on one leg with the other leg folded upon your knees. You don't have to climb up to the highest mountain that there is and sit at the pinnacle of that mountain with your hands in odd positions. Wherever you are, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead for you and for me, you and I will be saved. And in Romans 10, 13, Paul ends it this way. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Your history doesn't matter. If you want me to make a prophetic statement, because I know a lot of us like prophecy, let me make a prophetic statement to you right now. And that is this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Take it. So those are the authentic, confirmed, reliable facts to get rid of the bondage of sin in your life, to get rid of the hold of Satan upon your life, to taste freedom from the clutches of eternal death, and to be assured of the promise of eternal life. What more are you looking for? What more am I looking for? To put it very simply, 
Jesus Christ is the virus removal service that you and I need. He is the only one who can remove the sin virus from your life and my life. He paid the price to remove the effects and the consequences of this sin virus from your life and my life. But we also need to talk a bit about vaccination, isn't it? And I said, as far as coronavirus is concerned, there are ifs and buts, so let's not go into that. But for our day-to-day -day protection from the constant bombardment of sinful temptation, we need a vaccination and an in-body or an indwelling antibody. And this is how the Holy Spirit, who is gifted into your life, works. We read this in Acts 2.38. Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is gifted into your life and my life. And it is the Holy Spirit as that gift into our lives works as our active immune system. Now, I know I'm using a bit of medical terminology here and there, but uh, I know that over the last, uh, uh, I don't know, 20 months, uh, everybody has become experts in medical terminology. So I know that you all know what immune system is. So the Holy Spirit works as our active immune or defense system, watching over us and warning us each time we are faced with sin. It's our internal warning system. The Holy Spirit in us, in me, in you. We give you a warning. And then he works with us to neutralize that sin that is trying to enter into your life. You said we read, we, we, we read the scripture very early where we said that when there is temptation and we are enticed by our own will and then we grasp it and it becomes, it gets conceived in our life as sin. Okay, that's when we are on our way to death. But if with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants you and me and say, don't touch that, don't get there, and you and I then work with the Holy Spirit, not on our own. You can stay away from sin. You see, that's why I say that the Holy Spirit is like the antibody who has been, which has been vaccinated. The Holy Spirit is a, is a person. So the Holy Spirit has been vaccinated into your life and my life, 100% effective. Unlike the different efficacy rates that we are talking about for the current set of vaccines for coronavirus. Brothers and sisters, 
In a few minutes, Pastor Francis will be coming on to close the service. But at this point, let me remind you of this. God wants us to remember that there is a virus and there is a disease that is far more dangerous than coronavirus and COVID-19. Please, let us not be casual about sin, its effects, and its consequences. Ignoring God's warning will lead to eternal death and damnation, 100%. But as we have already seen, God has given us a way to beat sin and Satan. The decision is yours. The time is now. All you need to do, and I'm calling on all of those who want to get rid of that menace of sin in their life, who want to get out of that crab-like clutches of sin in their life, If you want to come out of that situation, you need to accept the Lord Jesus Christ because he died on that cross and with his blood, he bought freedom for those who receive him. But what is it you need to do? Wherever you are right now, all you need to do is truly repent of your sins. Truly repent of your sins. Confess them to God. It doesn't matter whether they are small sins or big sins, embarrassing sins or what. God knows anyway. Confess them to God. Confess, receive and accept Jesus Christ into your life. Ask him into your life today. Wherever you are this afternoon, you can do it if you choose to say it. Brothers and sisters, God bless you all. Pastor Francis, please take over.